Hey there, voice teachers. It is Nikki from Full Voice Music. On today's podcast, we are talking about strategies to help our singers who struggle with stillness. Wow, that's a lot of S's. We're talking about helping our singers that are wiggly, fidgety. They just can't seem to calm themselves down and they're struggling to focus on the tasks that we are giving them. Now, my very special guest is Shannon Coates. Now, Shannon is a voice teacher and educator from Holland Landing. Um, She has a teaching studio in Holland Landing as well as in Toronto, and she has her doctorate of musical arts in vocal performance specializing in voice pedagogy from the University of Toronto. Shannon is also the new president of the Ontario chapter of Nats. So she is uh, one busy lady and I am so happy that she found the time in her schedule to join us today. She has some amazing strategies that she's been using in her teaching studio to help these students and she's sharing them with us today. If you've got a wiggly student, and I know you have a wiggly student or a lot of wiggly students, you're going to really enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, resources for private, classroom, and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Loney. So, Shannon Coates, thank you so much for joining me today. How are things out in Holland Landing? It's a beautiful day in Holland Landing. Nice and sunny, a little windy, nice and warm. Beautiful day. Nice. And you just uh, you just finished up, uh, I saw a post, you just finished up your recital. How did everybody do? Oh, my studio recital was wonderful. We, everybody did a, a beautiful job, of course. I'm thrilled. And for the first time since I have started teaching, I actually sang at my own recital. I saw that. Okay. Do, now, I don't know about you, but I get really nervous performing for my students. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, I I did Taylor the Latte Boy, which <gasps> I know, love that song. Sometimes, right? Yeah. And of course, everybody loved because it's such a great song. Yes. Um, so much fun. And some of them thought that I had made it up myself. Oh, <laughs> that that is a that is a sign that you did a fantastic job of performing it. If they think that you wrote it. Well, and also way too much credit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. This year I sang um, Daryl is a boy and he lives in my closet. Oh, (laughs) I know. So I I can retire now because I've sung songs about about pee and poo. (laughs) I did. I did. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I uh, uh, well, we were working on a lot of. storytelling this year with my students so I thought there is a perfect storytelling song so so today uh, we are talking about um, some very unique strategies that you are using in your teaching studio to help students that are we're going to use the term um, struggling with stillness or wiggly um, but before we get into that, I would really love for, ev- for everyone to know a little bit about you uh, and a little bit about your teaching studios. So let's go to the very beginning. Or, or <laughs> <laughs> let's go. So how, when did you start singing? Um, I started to take voice lessons when I was 13. 
so, um, you know, just a couple years ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I started Voice Lessons when I was 13. I did a Bachelor of Music in Performance at U of T. Um, and actually, you know, I actually stopped singing for a while. Oh. Um, yeah, so I did my Bachelor and then... Um, I didn't get into any of the yaps that I auditioned for, um, so sad for me. Mm. And I needed money because I was um, in debt from school. Mm -hmm. um, so I worked for a while. I worked um, in film and um, sort of by the time I had been, by the time I'd worked for a little bit, I sort of said, you know what, I need to do this and I don't really have the tools to get back into singing and, I'm, and so I, I left it. Okay. Um, and then I, I worked in finance for a while, and then when my daughter was born in 2003, I didn't want to go back to uh, 9 to 5. <laughs> mm, I, I hear that. Yeah, I just I thought, this is my opportunity to take my mat leave and see if there's something else that I can do. And um, people had been asking me for lessons for a very long time, and I'd always said no. And I thought, well, maybe I'll try this out and see. And um, I loved it. I absolutely loved teaching. But I also found very quickly that I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, it was one of those things, <laughs> oh, God, I'm really in over my head here. <laughs> don't know what I'm doing. I, I mean, I was, I'm an excellent teacher, and that was something that, that was sort of um, already in me and that's that's good but it's it's tricky when you don't have something to teach <laughs> so I did a lot of research I obviously did some you know I uh, started to go to festivals and listen to adjudicators and I went to master classes did as much as I could and then I heard about the masters in voice ped at um, the University of Toronto uh, that professor Lorna MacDonald had started and I thought, well, that would be a perfect opportunity for me to really figure out how to do this teaching thing well. Uh, but um, I had to, it's, it's actually a performance degree specializing in voice pedagogy. Oh. Yeah, so I had to get my singing up to a point that I could actually audition for this thing. Okay. So, uh, so that's when I actually started to take lessons again. So I started to take lessons again in 2007, which is roughly 10 years after I'd stopped singing. So I basically had a 10-year hiatus there, um, but I'd already been teaching for four years at that point. I started teaching in um, 2003. So anyway, um, much, much thanks to uh, Jean McPhail, who was the original person who started to get me back into, into shape to sing, and then, of course, to Lauren McDonald, who uh, became my mentor. Um, and I got into the program and learned a whole lot about teaching, obviously, um, and started to sing again and um, graduated with my master's in 2010 and then immediately began to pursue the doctorate in voice pedagogy from University of Toronto again. Um, and that was uh, when my children were seven and five. Oh so um, still young children at home, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, and that's part of the reason the doctorate took six years to complete, because not only was I teaching uh, at the same time as raising a family, um, I also taught undergrad voice ped at um, University of Toronto and at Laurier, and I presented my research at different conferences, and, you know, I was sort of doing, and I was performing as well, so I did a, as many things as I could. Oh my goodness. <laughs> balance 
juggled, juggled is a better word. I don't think balanced is the right word. I think wow. juggled is a good word. Um, and then graduated uh, just this this past June. So congratulations! Uh, thank you. What a journey! <laughs> yeah, quite the journey. Um, so now I'm just you know I'm 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 so thrilled because through that whole process. I was I wasn't able to really like I said I was juggling a lot so I wasn't right. able to really focus on my passion which is teaching which is what brought me back to school in the first place was the fact that I I love teaching I love it and now um, you know I'm I'm just thrilled I get this opportunity now to really teach I mean I was before but mm-hmm. to have the time to really um, work hard at my teaching but also to help other teachers that's that's part of my passion as well and part of what I love what you do because you are creating this community of resources um, and community of teachers where we can all kind of you know take something from what you're doing and give something to what you're doing and we all have something that we can share and that's part of my uh, my passion that's come out of school as well because I had the opportunity to go to school and to get all of this incredible knowledge um, and experience and lots of voice teachers don't have that opportunity for whatever reason so it's great for me to be able to yeah to kind of to do something like this with you but also to do lots of other um, teaching and adjudicating and all that kind of stuff we get to and spread the wealth. <laughs> now you have you have two teaching studios. You have one. I do. Yeah. So I have one in my home. At my in my home, which is in a subdivision in you know Suburbiaville. <laughs> so as you can imagine, that attracts a certain kind of student. Um, you know, for the most part, children mm-hmm. and and young adults. And then I have um, a studio in Toronto, um, which attracts a different kind of student, and that is more avocational adults um, and, you know, and some, you know, semi-professional, pre-professional students as well. So I sort of have this breakdown in terms of the kinds of students that I'm teaching, and I actually did, I ran some numbers. I I looked at my studio, and and I have percentages even, so listen to this. 24% uh, is primary school. Uh, students, 24% of students, so a full quarter, and the youngest of those is 11 years. Now, I've taught six years, that's the youngest that I've taught, but right now I'm at 11 years. Um, And then 18% is high school students, (laughs) and that together is 42%, so that's a good chunk of my studio. And then 41% is avocational students, So, uh, and all but one of those are... um, or avocational singers, I should say, and all but one of those are uh, singing a choir. So they're in, and some in multiple choirs. They love singing. They have a real job, or they've just retired from their real job. Um, and many of them have, you know, degrees in music, mm-hmm. uh, but went other directions. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they still love singing. They want to sing for the rest of their lives, and they want to do it as healthily and as easily as possible. Nice. Uh, so these are wonderful, wonderful students to teach. Uh, as you can imagine, they're really motivated, uh, really wonderful students. And then uh, about 18% are sort of pros or semi-pros. Uh, basically, they make their living doing music, whether it's fully singing or some other kind of music. Uh, you know, um, or conducting, or, wow. or those lines. Yeah. So it, that's a, it's a that, that was kind of 
little fun exercise for me to actually look at that breakdown. But um, it's yeah, it's interesting. So that's the that's the breakdown of the studio, and I I do conservatory exams with uh, with my students um, as much as possible, and uh, you know, depending on their needs, the adult students often actually pursue conservatory exams as well. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I think it's nice to have that variety of students. Yeah. All right. So uh, so I want to set everybody up so that they know why we're talking about this, because it is kind of a strange conversation. So you were on, uh, we both were on this Facebook thread, and uh, it was talking about therapy balls. And you had posted this very unusual looking a picture of this very unusual ball that you use in your teaching studio and I was immediately intrigued uh somewhat confused and uh I I I think we I think we hijacked that thread and had our own little conversation um (laughs) so you we all have students especially if we're working with young ones and although I think this applies to some of our adults as well, who just really, really struggle with stillness, with being still. They just cannot hold themselves. And I know that in my teaching studio, I have uh, quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to, I'm just going to be really honest here. Sometimes dealing with them can be really frustrating because mm-hmm. they're distracted. Um, some of them are agitated. So... You have been using therapy balls and therapy bands and some very unique strategies. So I want I want you just to let everybody know. How, well, first of all, how did you get started using these techniques, and how you've been using them with your students? Sure thing. So I the the I started with a wiggle cushion. Okay. Okay. So you have to explain what a wiggle cushion is. (laughs) Which is sort of like the top half of a um, yoga ball. Okay. Sort of cut off and you can just then sit it on top of a chair. Oh. Um, So it's sort of like an inflated plastic pillow. Um, And the reason I started with that was because I was looking for tools for my own son to be able to focus longer at our dinner table, (laughs) but also at school. Okay. So I was looking for tools for him to be able to, because he's a wiggler, and for him to be able to be a little bit more focused and still in his own body. Um, And so I came across this, and it is a therapy tool, um, and ordered one online and brought it home and saw some really wonderful success with my own son at the dinner table. And we also got him a portable one that he could take to school. Wow. So yeah, so he just brings it around with him from classroom to classroom. He doesn't anymore because he's older now, but um, when he was younger, he just brought it around with him from classroom to classroom and he sits on it. And what it does therapeutically is it gives the core a reason to balance and to focus Mm. and it also at the same time gives the rest of the body a reason to move because you have to move a little bit to stay balanced so if I'm understanding correctly that's what I understand the therapy aspect of it is and that's what it actually does Um, so 
when I started to have students in my studio who were who were unable to st- who who were unable I'm saying unable not unwilling unable mm. to stand for long periods of time and who would who needed to lie on my couch or who would prefer lying on the floor mm. to standing for uh, for the lesson I thought I wonder what can happen with this pillow. Mm. So I brought it into my studio and I have it just sitting on a chair in the middle of my studio uh, with the music stand in front of it. And um, I started to ask those particular students to just sit on that instead of lying on my couch or, you know, doing (laughs) anything else that they had wanted to do. And found that it was incredibly successful. So these students, mm-hmm, these students, and you know, I should be clear, I don't feel, I feel that, I'm sorry, often these students, I, I live a block away from a public school, mm. so often these students are literally coming directly from school to mm-hmm. their lesson. Mm-hmm. So they've had six hours of sitting still, right. standing still, being good, obey the rules, be quiet, you know, do what I say. They've had that for six hours. They've now, it's, it's completely unreasonable for me to expect them to come into my studio and do the same thing for another hour. It's just unreasonable. And, and it's cruel in a way (laughs) for some of the (laughs) students. And you know what, and not even those students, not those students, but also the students who have been picked up from school and driven for 45 minutes and then are expected to be in my studio for an hour or the students who are coming directly from their soccer practice, their two-hour soccer practice, or their two-hour band rehearsal, or whatever. Like, they're they're all coming from a whole day of this expectation where they've had to sit still all day. Right. Or some of them have been at, you know, their swim practice since 5 in the morning. I mean, these students are, it, it's it's cruel and unusual punishment to ask them <laughs> to stand still for another hour. They just can't. Right. So this has been very successful. This ball, this, sorry, this um, wiggle cushion. If you Google wiggle cushion, it comes up or therapeutic cushion. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a picture yeah. on the podcast oh, page. So if anybody wants to take a look at it and we can maybe even put some links to where they can purchase those. It's very, yeah, it's uh, there, there are tons of them all over the place. Um, anyway, so this gives those students, first of all, it gives their body something else to do mm-hmm. um, other than think about how how am I going to stand up straight for another hour? How can I do that? And they, because their body then just gets into this groove of a little tiny bit of motion that gets them balanced and you have to sit up tall on it. You have mm-hmm. to stretch and sit well on it um i think like every choir in the world should have one for every one of their oh <laughs> could you imagine oh yeah that but would be they're amazing really expensive so I, not really expensive but it would be expensive for a choir they're <laughs> I, they're in the range of you know 30 to 50 dollars right so you, you can't like do that for a choir <laughs> uh, but anyway so that's that's one tool um the other tool is the the tool so sorry so then once i had that in my studio mm-hmm. I started to think about some other things that um, were that were going wrong with my students. Mm-hmm. And again, if you think about these things as these are not willful things that these students are doing, they're not right. willfully trying to you know wreck my music stand by flicking it and pulling mm-hmm. it and moving it up and down and you know yeah. flicking the light and 
you know, jamming the pencil against it, all that, like they're not willfully trying to, to wreck things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they, they can't help themselves. This is, this is the way that they are at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. So once you recognize that this is not a behavioral issue, then you start to think of things that can help. So, uh, that's when I started to think about the, the therapy balls. And honestly, I saw one at the pet store. Um, <laughs> it's, awesome. It was actually a chew toy for a dog. And I thought, okay, that would be awesome to give them something tactile to mm-hmm. hold on to and squish and do whatever they need to do with it while they're standing there or sitting there or whatever, they, whatever they're doing. So that's the, the ball that we had talked about originally. It was, it's just a little spiky ball, and they come in different sizes and different colors. Mm. And, um, you know, the littler ones for the little hands. And um, sometimes I'll have them do things where they squish the ball when we want a higher breath energy. Ooh. Or, or right when you want more resistance. Or... Um, different things like that. I mean, it can be incorporated into the actual technique as well. Wow. Um, but it is really fabulous for just giving their hands something to do. Well, and- I, I have to share with you, I took, I took after we talked and after I saw the picture, I, I, I dug through my son's toys and I found, yes. like a, I found a little squishy ball. Perfect. And I brought it into my teaching studio and I didn't say anything. I yes. just... I just put it on the stand because I have a, a young singer and I adore him. He's a, just a great kid and his family's super supportive. But there was a lot of tension in the lesson because he's super wiggly. We'll use that. Mm-hmm. And he does have <laughs> that issue with like my music stand. He cannot, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's up, it's down, it's twisting, it's back and forth. He'll actually pick it up and move it and put it back. And, and it was, it was, I was okay with it, but his mom uh, would be like, stop that, put that down. Yeah. So there was this energy in the lesson where she was agitated. I think she was more agitated than anyone because she's, she's trying to get him to focus. So all yeah. I did was I just left a little squishy ball on the stand and I didn't say anything. Yeah. And uh, uh, he came in and the first thing he did is he grabbed it. And yeah. he just started. He just started squeezing it, and I just said so that his mom wouldn't freak out. I said, "That's <laughs> for you. You can you can play around with that. We're going to incorporate that into your exercises today." And he was like, "Great, okay." I have never seen him so focused. Yeah. And I've never seen his mom so happy. <laughs> she was like totally blown away she left with such a big smile on her face um and it was such a difference and i was like oh my gosh i have to send shannon a bottle of wine (laughs) i love that well yeah anytime No. (laughs) no it's true and i found the same thing that the students who really can use it gravitate to it immediately i i left the i left a couple of balls on my um, little stand that I have with other tools in there and when I first started using them I did the same thing I didn't say anything to anybody I just left them there to see who would pick them up and the students who I, I thought would benefit from it the most were the ones who just laser eye wow. right to it pick it up and started using them immediately yeah now you're also using um, the therapy bands 
Yeah. So tell, um, tell me how those work. So there, I mean, they have lots and lots of applications in terms of traditional technique. Um, you know, we use them often for even just tying around the ribs to the bottom of the ribs mm. to, you know, have some resistance in, on the inhale and mm. things like that. So there's lots of traditional uses uh, for the TheraBand in the voice studio. But what I've found is for some of these kids who don't have body awareness, mm. and that's part of the problem too, I think when they're, when, when they're agitated like that, they don't have the body awareness, right. um, when they're wiggly. Um, so I, if, they, uh, if I ask them to put the, to, to hold the therapy band in both hands and stretch it out and then put it on their shoulders and just so it's behind their uh, head on the shoulders and then just stretch as they're singing. Ooh. So they're just stretching it as they go. And that helps to open the body so that when they're, so they're, because often I find those students, again, if they're not, somehow they're not body aware um, the same way, they end up sort of really crouched over. Um, oh, right. right. Forward. So this gives a tactile sense of stretching and opening and having that openness across the chest. And also it just gives them their hands, again, something to stretch, something to hold on to, mm. something to kind of play with. It's very similar. I mean, in the olden days, we would sometimes put a broomstick across the back, right? Oh, my gosh. My teacher used to do that. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> So I think this is the better version. Has <laughs> Agreed. A little, you know, I mean, it's not great. There's no give in a broomstick. So no. that's a lot of tension you can really foster uh, with a broomstick. So this gives the sense of stretching open as opposed to, you know, clunking into a position mm -hmm. um, and locking into a position. So it's a nice stretch. And as I said, it gives them something to do with their hands. And then once, once they've got that tactile feel, they've got that, um, in their body, often I can just say, remember what it feels like right. to have the TheraBand across your back. Mm. And then they can stretch open into that feeling again. Um, sometimes not, but often I can. So it's, yeah, that's, that's one. That's wonderful. <laughs> in addition to all of the other great ways to use a TheraBand in the, in the voice studio, of course. Right, that's, that's great. Now, have you, uh, have you gotten any feedback from parents? Um, some parents, yes. So, uh, some parents are very happy to come into the voice studio and to pick up their student at the end of the lesson and notice that their student is not lying on the couch anymore. That <laughs> 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 Their student is now sitting, uh, and that's wonderful. Um, and, um, not specific feedback, uh, because uh, these students are usually, they don't usually have parents in the lesson. Mm, so okay. not specific feedback that way, but I have been um, sort of proactive in saying to the parent, you know what, this has been really useful right. in helping this student to just come into some focus and be able to keep the body still or work on the breathing or find balance in the torso, blah, blah, blah. So that I, I have been able to say, this is the, these are the tools we've been using. And, you know, if you've got a TheraBand at home, you might want to try to mm -hmm. incorporate that into, even into their everyday life or, you know, if you're finding that, that this is spilling over, that's, that these kinds of things are hard to manage in other areas of life, here are some of the things that are working really well in the studio. That is, that is great. I, I, uh, I know for me, um, 
in my early days of teaching, I, I really struggled with the littles. Yeah. Um, because of that reason, I, you know, yeah. you know, I, I was trying to make them stand perfectly still beside the piano yeah. as, I, <laughs> as I tortured the poor little things. And uh, what's really interesting, too, is now uh, our piano uh, colleagues, our private piano <laughs> teachers, are now including a lot of what they call off-the-bench activities Yes. For the same reason, because yes. to, like what you said, to ask a, a child to sit um, on uh, on the piano bench. Piano for, bench. Oh. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, um, you you are friends with um, Dr. Chris Foley, who is my son's <laughs> piano teacher, and Chris does that beautifully. Like Noah yes. will sit at the piano, and then he'll get up, and then they'll march around the room, and then they they lie down on the floor to do their music theory, and then sometimes he gets handed a drum to do his rhythm. So like, there's so many different activities that we can do with our singers and with our music students, and it's it's interesting to see how I think we we have a better understanding of learning styles yeah. and we now have these these therapies and these these uh, strategies yes. um, do you have any advice for private teachers or say choral directors <laughs> or, or classroom teachers struggling with the wigglies <laughs> I'm gonna call them no, the wigglies the wigglies exactly I I don't I think the best advice, and I think most teachers understand this already, but I think the best advice is just to continually remind yourself that this is not a behavioral issue per se, and that this is not a, a kid trying to be bad, you know? And again, I, I think most of us at this stage in teaching and classroom teachers certainly have an understanding of this um, through their education as well. Mm -hmm. um, that this is this is not a behavioral issue. This is for these kids. This is them just struggling to make it through. <laughs> They're just trying to do their best. And so any anything that and once that mindset is in place, like I said, then we start to look for the things that we can help that can help. And I I do think that therapy. Um, um, like the therapy world mm. is there they have lots of tools that mm. um, are can be really applicable in, in the voice studio um, and for teaching singing lots lots of tools so that's one place to kind of you know possibly take a look at I'm wondering now if I should bring my big uh, my big what you know the big exercise balls Yes, I love the yoga ball. Um, that's the other thing that I'll use with adults, actually, oh. um, because it's it's a little too big for most most right. younger students to sit on. Yeah, <laughs> my, my son does the Superman on it, and yes, yes, but mm -hmm. that's a great breathing exercise, mm. right? Like, so I'll have my younger students lean over the ball to breathe in, either on their front or on their back. That's either a great way. idea. Yeah, and hug the ball to do a nice inhalation, and then you can see all the movement, and you get a little bit of resistance, so you can feel the movement. So there's, and and I'll have adults if they want to, if they want to sit during a lesson, I don't mind right. at all. But you're gonna sit on my therapy ball <laughs> because then again, that has that it has the built-in little bit of movement, but also you have to balance yourself. So there's some beautiful applications for the therapy ball. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's a, I, well, I think, I, I think I'm going to have to do that uh, next week. Although I, I, 
I fear that it'll be used for evil instead of good by yes, some of my students. Yes, there is, yes. And I, just a little caveat to the... Um, to these tools, they, it can go horribly, horribly wrong, too. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Well, it's like any technical exercise, you know. It, you can take, it can do good and it can do evil. Like, it, it can yes. go the wrong way. But, yes. uh, well, this... Stop a lot of my students from using therapy band because she was using it as a whip. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! So yeah, that went the other way, but you know, it's a whip. Has a whip. Yes, when the therapy yeah. tools become weapons, maybe That's when we it's have to time to rethink. <laughs> now, do you have any other suggested resources that you would recommend for teachers looking into more of these uh, tools? I do. You know what? I think, like I said, the therapy world is okay. uh, a great place to start. Um, they're already dealing with different issues and recognizing them and trying to find concrete tools to address. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know what, I also think um, talking, like what you're doing with Full Voice Site, what we do with the online you know, um, forums, I think talking to the teachers who, you know, the ones who've been doing it quite a while and the ones who have just started because we all have discoveries. We've all made discoveries. Well, uh, Shannon, um, thank you so much for your time today and for your expertise and your passion for teaching. Um, this is this has been really informative, not just for myself, but I know that there's many teachers dealing with with wigglies and and with with uh, students that, like you said, um, you know, are are trying really hard, but they just for whatever reason they can't um, hold themselves still. And I am, uh, will you will you come back and do another podcast with me? Love to. Oh, awesome! You'll be, you'll be my resident expert. I love. That. so um i am going to put all of your contact information um are you okay with people reaching out to you of course oh beautiful beautiful so uh, i'm going to put all your contact information and if for more information about you and your teaching studios uh i also i also have a link to your website uh and update it but anyway oh, no. oh my gosh you know what that Enjoy is a, that. that's a whole other podcast oh, uh, updating yes. your your teaching website oh. i know <laughs> i know um but thank you so much for your time so much my for your pleasure. inspiration it's been a uh, wonderful speaking to you and i look forward to speaking to you again i love it that would be great thanks so much nikki thank you shannon So there you have it. A special thank you to Shannon Coates for joining us on the podcast. And I have to tell everybody, Shannon and I continued talking after the interview for about an hour and a half. She is just an amazing resource and a wonderful lady. And it's so wonderful to connect with such inspired teachers. That's our goal here at Full Voice Music is to connect all the inspired teachers out there. So thank you to Shannon. Now, if you visit our podcast page... 
um, and you want to reach out to Shannon or you have questions for her, uh, all of her information is there. And I have included a newly written article that Shannon has uh, has published. So if you have, want a little bit uh, uh, more detailed information about her strategies for these students, uh, please visit our podcast page. Like always, if you have any questions, please reach out. My email address is Nikki at thefullvoice.com. That's N-I-K-K-I at thefullvoice.com. And if you have any ideas for new podcasts, send me a message and we'll be sure to uh, investigate new ideas. So wishing everybody an amazing day and as always, happy singing. You have been listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and free teacher resources, please visit our website at www.thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca.